Three, two, one. Welcome to the Dave of the Dog Trainer Podcast, episode 94, I believe. We're on 94. Yes. Here we are. We are. Um, we just had a, like, 12-minute, like, just fucking, just... This is what happens. Josh comes here, right? He gets here at 10 o'clock every day. It's 11.36 right now, <laughs> right? So we'll get on some sort of random topic where we'll start yeah. bullshitting about something. This morning it was... <clears throat> excuse me. It was the movie that I watched this morning, which is Barbarian, which Josh also saw. And because he saw it, we then had to spend about a half an hour talking about that movie, which yes. movie was ridiculous. If you guys haven't seen it already, go watch it. Go see Barbarian. It's, it's a wild movie, man. <laughs> it's on HBO Max right now. You go watch it for free. <clears throat> then um, that started turning into, man, we're coming up on the end of the year here. We got some new guests lined up to come on before the end of the year, which are going to be sweet. You guys are going to like them. If we lock them in, we got, I'm going to talk to like four people right now. <laughs> big ones this time. These are big ones. Big. These are like, these are like potentially like the biggest ones. Kind of, right? So like, you know, yeah. to find big, right? Like, you know, we had, obviously Sage's Way like is hot shit on fucking TikTok. Yeah. Right? We had her as a big guest. I mean, she yeah. got like 600,000 followers or something like that, mm-hmm. right? And we get other people that are big, but these people are big in their own right. So whatever. True. So we got that. Started talking about that. Then we start talking on how are we going to make this podcast better next year, all right? So last year, it was kind of just all right at this table. We sit down. We talk about things. We've got two other mics in case somebody wants to come on and join us. It's cool, right? Mm-hmm. Then we got this fucking TV, right, for the following year, for this yeah. year. We start reviewing stuff. We're able to have virtual guests come on the show. It's sweet, whatever. So we're like, what are we going to do next year? So we sat down. We started discussing some potential ideas for it. That turned into another 20-minute conversation, mm-hmm. right? Then we come upstairs, right? We're getting ready. We're like, all right, we got to start filming, whatever. This is like 35 minutes ago, right? And we're like, suddenly we start talking about music. <laughs> and then when we start talking about music, we start getting hype, and we start rolling with it. And then 25 minutes goes by, and it's like, wow, we've been talking about music for 25 minutes. Yeah. So we've made this mistake so many times. We always say, you know what we need to actually just start doing? What? is making like a no talking policy before we start the <laughs> podcast and we just come up here and just like as soon Fuck. as you get here it's click we're <laughs> we're going cuz then oh, it's like God. we just talk for an hour and a half and now we got to come up here and we got to talk for another hour about stuff yeah and and, and I know and we're wearing just, you out <laughs> it's just a lot of talking you know yeah so whatever so um Josh what what's new what else is new anything uh, not really, particularly. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, last week was very uneventful. Um, I was supposed to do a couple shoots, and they all got rescheduled for later dates. So bomber. Yeah. Um, just cleaned the house. Mate, we made some chicken noodle soup last night from scratch. Yeah, yeah. I love good homemade. Chicken oh yeah. Noodle. It just you know, just felt like the right time. It's a little nippy outside. Yeah. Time to get some nice warm soup, but. So that was very, very eventful. I'm sorry, everyone, but uh, chicken noodle soup was banging. So. I think Kate told me yesterday she's making this banging like protein pasta this morning or this Ooh. afternoon, right? Because we're kind of getting that weather, right? That comfort food, yeah. right? Eat some good stuff, mm-hmm. you know? So, so we're probably going to be having some of that. But yeah, dude, yeah. I love soup season. You start hitting that point where it's like we get oh, the yeah. soups, make a little tomato, mm-hmm. make some pasta sauce, have some pasta. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. A little hot cocoa, too. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm. Um, okay, cool. So, not a whole lot new on my end. We're training dogs. Whatever. So, we're going to find some things to talk about today. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
Today's going to be kind of random again. We got a couple miscellaneous topics. We have a bunch of questions and comments and things like that that are coming through on YouTube lately, right? We got a, uh, a new listener that's been asking a lot of good questions, obviously. Uh, and then just in general, the YouTube channel has kind of been slow and steady growth, right? So mm-hmm. we're, we're uh, getting new people listening, new people commenting on the things and stuff. So I want to break down some of those questions and just kind of get into, you know, again, new things going on in the dog training world right now, right? Um, so... <laughs> Um, I, a couple episodes ago was talking about, you know, my wife and I have been watching the dog whisper, right? The OG dog whisper. Mm -hmm. We even played a clip of it on here a couple episodes ago, right? Um, they took it off Disney plus. I'm so sad about it. There was like five seasons of it. We were almost done with watching all of them and they took it off, man. (sighs) And the reason why they took it off is because they got this new show, right? Better human, better dog whatever mm. you know and it's just not the same yeah. it's not the same right it's still there's some good episodes in it you know there was a one we watched last night with his french bulldogs just terrorizing his house it was pretty good it was like a whole episode on that case study but it's just not the same you could mm. tell like dude what i liked about the, the original dog whisper is it was so raw and real Mm-hmm. It was real, man. And again, oh, yeah. that's what caught Caesar so much flack in the first place is he's out here freaking karate chopping <laughs> dogs and like fucking, you know, all over the place yeah. and like, you know, being straightforward and blunt with owners about stuff yeah. and bringing dogs to his center and he's fucking trading dogs with people and stuff. He'd be like, hey, you can't handle this dog. I'll just keep this dog. And then you take this one. Yeah. Like, dude, there was so much random, ridiculous shit that happened on that show. And it was so entertaining. Right. Yeah. And again, this one's good, but he's just he's just PC'd it so much, dude. Oh, it's yeah. so much like more of like foofy and like nice. And they don't really yeah. show as much as they used to. And like little details like let's see if I catch some some flack with this one, right? Mm-hmm. I noticed this. I, I watched this. There's two se- they just came out with the second season. We finished mm-hmm. the first season. We're kind of working through the second season right now. And I just had the realization that he refuses to call dog owners dog owners anymore, right? So he refers what? to dog owners as pet parents. Oh. Again, PC, right? He's yeah. trying to be politically correct. Yeah. Uh, supposedly, you're not allowed to own dogs anymore, <laughs> right? That's like inappropriate, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. Whatever, right? So, so that's like, <laughs> like little things like that, right? Like so going as far as, and you can even tell, like I, the reason why I notice it is there were certain clips where he almost said dog owner yeah. and then you could hear it in his voice, how he changed it to pet <laughs> parents, right? Or I think at one point he almost accidentally said like pet owner and he's like, pet o parents, <laughs> pet o parent, pet o parent, right? <laughs> so he's just trying to like be nice about everything uh-huh. and like, again, it's like, like I'm like, I get we all evolve and stuff, right? I get we try mm. to be nicer and stuff, you know, like he's he's big on the halties now and stuff, probably because, again, a lot of the flack that Caesar used to catch back in the day was, you know, these dogs had uh, prong collars on, choke chains, slip leads, whatever collars the owners were using at that point. Yeah. And he got a lot of slack because people were saying, you know, he's choking dogs with them and this and that, so the haltie is a nicer tool, yeah. right, you know? But it's interesting because even though he gives these owners, like, halties and all of them, he still does a lot of his work on a slip lead. You can tell he still wants to go back to the slip lead for it. So it's just, yeah. it's just like, so fluffed mm-hmm. now, you know? And then, like, the situations that he has the owners practice, like, they're nowhere near as real life as they used to be. He's not really going into the weeds of things and addressing problems like he used to. So I don't know, man. I'd give it, like, a... I'd give it, like, a... 
like a six out of ten. The new Ooh. show, you know, OG Dog Whisperer was like ten out of ten, good, <laughs> entertaining, and fairly real <laughs> shit. Right, yeah. this one like six, six point five out of ten. It's still entertaining, mm-hmm. but as a dog trainer that like grew up watching his first show, mm-hmm. right, and really liked his first show, it's just a big downgrade from it. Yeah, you know, well and. When the dog whisperer came out, there was dude early two thousands. There was that shit was wild. There was nothing like it nothing on TV, like it. and that's like why it. it like captivated everybody because we were like, whoa, yeah. and it was entertaining but highly educational at the same time. <laughs> yeah, and I wonder if if it's not him, if it's just like the no, it's it's not a him thing, right? Like yeah. you're, like he's such a huge name at this point, right? Yeah. There's so much production that goes into the show, right? Yeah, such massive it's... teams and probably so much funding behind it and yeah. stuff like that that he doesn't really have another option. Yeah, you know. Like, hey, Kate man. even pointed out the other day, and I don't know how much of this is conscious versus not conscious, but if you watch his old dog whisperer shows mm-hmm. he was such a like pit like he's talking about pit bulls all the time in the old show like i love these dogs you know he had his personal ones daddy and junior that were like yeah. he's like i'm trying to fight against the breed standard and like show how great these dogs are and he would literally talk about it all the time on his show mm-hmm. we're watching it and kate yesterday's looking she's like i don't think i've seen like a single pit bull like this entire show Right. It's like even his personal dogs he uses when he does his socials and stuff like that, like they're not out anymore. You know, he doesn't he doesn't really bring them to the forefront like he used to, you know. And I wonder again, I don't Mm. know if that's a conscious thing or it's just the way that it kind of worked out or what. But it seems very deliberate that like you really struggle to actually find one in the show. Yeah. which I thought was kind of interesting and a little disappointing, you know? Yeah. Uh, You know, we talked about on the on the Pitbull episode, we were talking about the Tennessee case. We talked about, you know. Pit bulls in general and our opinion on them and the and the, the breed stigma that they get and how much of it is valid versus invalid and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But like I do think that Caesar was doing some good work by being a big advocate for them in the past, right? Yeah. And and that seemed like it kind of went out the window. <clears throat> so I don't know. It's all right. And, and this kind of goes this goes hand in hand with, you know, getting to some of the guests I'm trying to get on. Right. Mm-hmm. See, this is what happens. We start talking, and I start getting ideas. Let's yeah. roll with things, right? So, you know, some of the guests I'm trying to get on, it, it's hard as I'm looking for people to bring on the podcast because call me, you know, judgmental or an asshole or whatever you want to call me, but, like, there's just so, like, most of the people out there that have, like, these big reputations or names on social media and stuff like that, I just mm-hmm. don't like their training, right? It's just, just fact of the matter, right? Like, I just, I'm not into their training. Yeah. And the reason for that is because so much of it is fluffed for the sake of views, for yeah. the sake of getting attention, right? Things like that. Mm-hmm. Whether these people you could tell like agree with the things they're putting out or disagree with it, or maybe there's more behind the scenes or not, I hate the fakeness of social media and especially social media dog training. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it, mm-hmm. it drives me crazy, and I love the dog whisper because it was so not fake. It was yeah. so raw in real life. Right. Mm-hmm. Some of these other guests that I'm talking about that I'm trying to get on that are bigger names. Like these guys show like raw actual dog training you know and again we could disagree or agree on certain aspects of what they're doing yeah but they're still showing the real shit mm-hmm. right and you know anymore if you do that like you catch so much flack like some of the people we're thinking about getting on that are, have these massive followings are very controversial figures in the dog training world and so much of that has to do with not that they're doing anything wrong but the fact that they just show everything you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like they're showing the actual real life rehabilitation process with some of these dogs. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> so I don't know. That's that's kind of my opinion on that. 
We should get Caesar on here. Dude, I was thinking about that the other day. Like, he's been on some people's podcast before. Like, there's this guy, Steve Del Salvo or something like that, that's in New York. Uh-huh. And Steve's like, you know, whatever. He does his podcast. He's got like maybe like 20,000, 25,000 like followers on Instagram. So not like a ridiculous amount, not that many more than mm-hmm. us. And he's had Caesar on, but he also used to work at the DPC, I'm pretty sure. Oh, you know, yeah. so I think he's got like, he's got like an in, right? <laughs> but I've also seen Caesar on like other platforms doing yeah. like live coaching and stuff too. So I thought about shooting an email over. Hey, you, you should know. do it. That could be. Come on. I don't yeah. know. You want to come on. Yeah. Next year's goal right there, Caesar. Go fly out there and then do it yeah. with him. Yeah, right on the or in the ranch. Right on the ranch <laughs> with the llamas in the back. <clears throat> so whatever. So I, you know, I still recommend everybody check out the show. You know, like I said, for entertainment purposes, it's fine. But be very aware of what you're watching and how much of it is fluffed, right? And as you're watching people just in general online that have these big followings, really like see how much of it is actually like just us just. BSing and throwing yeah. fancy words out there and maybe showing something that looks really nice. And yeah. Like not really talking about the in-between at all versus people that show the process. Like I, like a trainer that I was following, I saw a video just <clears throat> yesterday of actually somebody I'm trying to get on uh, the podcast I'm in talks with. And he posted this video and it's with like a Rottweiler, right? And the Rottweiler likes to chase cars, right? Mm. And... <clears throat> You know, this is somebody that, again, I like their channel, but originally the first time I saw this person's channel, I was like, it felt a little like kind of show off y, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, just like, kind of like, you know, a lot of stuff with your personal dogs and things like that, whatever. You yeah. Know? So I kind of didn't, like, I didn't really know until I started digging into it, like how I felt about this person. And he posted a video the other day that was like legit, dude. It was literally this clip of this Rottweiler likes to chase cars, and he had the dog on a leash and prong collar, and he walks a dog near the street, and a car goes by, and this dog goes to lunge at it, and he just pop right just big leash correction for yeah. it the dog's like oh shit right it turns <laughs> around like looks at the guy yeah and the guy's talking about it. he's like i think he literally said in it he's like that's the kind of shit that gets a dog fucking hit by a car yeah you know like like <laughs> and i was i watched that video and i was like that's the kind of stuff that i want to see and that's the kind of stuff that owners need to see right because yeah. then he showed two seconds later the car drive by again and guess what the dog was like nope backed up right he's like i'm not yeah. going near that car that car bit me quote yeah. unquote right and it's like, <clears throat> that's the real life stuff, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and then on the flip side, again, you see the foofy fake stuff of people that are like, oh, yeah, this dog has car reactivity. And then they go and take the dog, you know, 45 feet away from the street. And they're yeah. like, look, we have to desensitize them and use all these rewards and this and that. And it's like, no, just don't chase the car. Yeah. Don't chase the car. Safety, right? If you chase the car... You can get hit by a car and you can die. Yeah. Right? And, and it's like, people just don't, I don't think people realize that. Right? And no. it's it's so annoying <laughs> when you just like look around social media and I just see yeah. that over and over again. Well, you could have done that. And then, you know, this guy, for example, right, probably is going to have 8 million people commenting on that. You could have done that in such a nicer way. You could have done that with treats and without <laughs> conflict. And now the dog's scared of you and it's scared of the car and this and that. And it's just like, We've just, we've just like dumbed things down so much for the sake of being nice, right? That we're getting past the fact that this dog wants to chase cars and is going to get hurt by a car because he does so. And no Mm. matter how many rewards you want to use to keep the dog's attention on you, if you don't tell the dog, don't chase the fucking car, something bad is going to happen. We had the same thing happen with us. We posted a video a couple months ago, right? 
And it was a video where I was talking about creating a basically like an invisible fence at the gate, right? And, mm -hmm. and this client, right, to give everybody context of it, right? This client as a German Shepherd, right? Done a lot of training with the dog, right? Dog is pretty good, but their back gate in their uh, their backyard or whatever, when they go to open it, this dog wants to go flying out of the gate. And same mm -hmm. deal. They're like, we're scared this dog is going to run out and then either get into a fight with another dog or get hit by a car. And we want to be proactive about addressing this problem. So I was like, all right, cool. Here's how we're going to do it, right? We're going to use an e-collar and we're going to set an invisible fence perimeter at that gate. You're going to open the gate. If the dog flies through, we're going to give a big correction for that and get the dog back on that side. The same thing this guy did with um, chasing the car. Only difference is he used a prong collar. We used an e-collar for it. Yeah. Same concept though, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so we posted that, right? And, and first off, like this method works like mm -hmm. very, very well, right? It will create a perimeter. The dog will understand that gate open, gate closed. You just don't cross this line. Right? It's the same exact thing people do with invisible fences. Right? Yeah. And everybody commenting on this on, I think it was TikTok, right? All these like trainers, right? That are just like, do you really believe this is the best way to teach that? My I think that's what God. they asked. Do you really? You actually believe? Like, like you're either just oblivious to it or you're dumb or this or that. And like just people like commenting all those things. And it's like, yo. I care that dogs don't get hit by cars. Yeah. I care that dogs don't just like run away. I care that dogs don't break out of your fence and go and like knock down some old lady trying to walk down the street. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I care about all those things and this method will stop that from happening. Yeah. Right. So yes, I do think this is the best method for this individual dog to learn that perimeter. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it's like, I just try to not dumb it down. I try to not fluff it too much. I understand there's 9 million ways to teach a dog to wait at a doorway, but I have to weigh in when I'm looking at what is the best method for this dog. I need to weigh in competency of the owner. I need to weigh in long-term reliability as far as if I slack off on the rewards. Let's say I taught this with just rewards. If I slack off on the rewards and consistently reinforcing this, at some point, because the dog's never been punished for making the mistake, that dog is still going to go flying through that doorway and go get hit by a car, right? Yeah. So, that's well, it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's the, to your point, um, I think that's why the dog vlog is actually mm -hmm. become so popular recently with a lot of people because you don't fluff it. Like, everything that is shown in there is what happens every day, you know? Yeah. there There's no... Oh, well, just magically we got here. Like, no, this is the process, and this is the, you know, it may be hard to watch, but this yeah. is what we need to do. Yeah, and, and the other thing that's interesting thing about it, too, is, like, it's not even hard. Like, like when people have these associations with, like, corrections being these, like, terrible things we're doing, and in most cases, there's so little conflict involved in it. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, if you watch the vlog, you'll see if there is a dog we need to do that method with, that mm -hmm. it's not, like... Like, it's not like these dogs are, like, being, like, like excruciatingly, like, murdered on camera or anything like that, <laughs> yeah. right? It's like we give a clear non-confrontational correction to them for mm -hmm. it, and then we show them what we want them to do. And the other thing interesting about it, too, is, like, no matter what, when we're posting shorts and reels and TikToks and stuff like that, we have 60 seconds to show you guys a clip of something mm -hmm. and give you guys a taste of the things we're doing and... The other thing, like the person was saying, is like, oh, like, well, people on TikTok are 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 gonna take this and they're just gonna they're gonna they're just gonna they're gonna go try to do it. And it's like, I don't remember the exact context of what they were saying, but they were like, yeah, like they're this, you know, you're giving advice. People are just gonna go and do, and they're not gonna know how to do it, and then they're gonna do it wrong, and this and that. And I'm like, you know what? 
the clips we put on, if somebody follow, first off, if somebody actually follows the advice that was given in that 60 second video, it's going to work still. Right. Yeah. And if they do it incorrectly, there's not going to be any sort of like crazy long-term like fallout or anything from it. And I think everybody needs to be aware of like TikTok is not a dog training platform, meaning, mm. right. If you're going to TikTok to learn how to fully train your dog, right. You could give it a go and these tips will definitely help you. But like, it's kind of common sense that like we charge thousands of dollars for these services because there's so much more to it than a 60 second video. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we could either choose to just not put anything out ever or say anything on our platforms for the sake that somebody may take it the wrong way or, you know, take it and do it incorrectly or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or we could post it with the assumption of, hey, this is a taste of the kind of work that we do and the type of advice we usually will give. And if you want to actually learn how to apply it properly, you could hire us for it. Yeah. Right? It's not like I'm sitting in front of a camera and looking at the camera and like, hey, do this exactly like this and then do it this way. All the things that yeah. we post are clips from our vlog of I was talking to individual clients and giving that person the information. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm talking to this individual that I know all the context of their situation and that individual isn't you, right? Yeah. And if that applies to you and you listen to that and you're like, oh, actually that makes some sense. Let me see if I can apply that to my case. That's why we put it out there. Mm -hmm. But we're not telling you directly, this is the solution for your case. Yeah. We're not, right? There's so many variables that go into all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And because we put out that vlog, that's where you can go to get the full context of it. Yeah. Right? That's where you can go to figure out why we gave that piece of information to that individual client. That's where you can go to hear the actual question that was asked to us when we gave that solution. Right, mm -hmm. And then you could get further context of how it might apply to your life. And then from there, again, you could take that information and roll with it. It might work really well for you. Yeah. But the information isn't for individual people. It's to help show you guys how we go about solving individual problems mm -hmm. for different people. But with the caveat that you should still work with a trainer. A yeah. trainer will help you understand the context and the best approach for your specific dog. Yeah. It's tough, right? Like, like I, as I'm working through this right now, like, I'm just kind of venting and ranting about this, right? But, like, as I'm talking about all this kind of stuff, it is one of those things where it's like, you know, with that mentality of somebody might take this information and do it improperly, like... Nobody should post anything on social media ever then at that point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Aside from like the bullshit sales, you like, hey, come to us. Hey, come to us. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the information that we put out there is to help validate the work that we do and show people and give people a taste of how we do it and what we do. it. It's marketing for the services we offer, right? But we're not selling pay us $30 a month to be a part of our TikTok channel or our Patreon or something like that so you can learn how to train your dog. We're not marketing ourselves that way. Mm -hmm. We're marketing ourselves as, hey, this is a taste of what we do so you could then hire us for services. Yeah. I like that approach a lot more because I, I think when, you know, when we were talking to Tyler mm -hmm. um, and we talked about like TikTok and all these people because there's a lot of TikTokers that do talk to people like that like oh hey this is the solution for your dog and and you know and make those like blatant yeah. bank blanketed like guarantees you know yeah. and i think that's where a lot of people get in trouble yeah because like like the one i can really think of is that one english guy or scottish guy that we watched a little video on southern end dog training yeah, yeah like, trying he, to get him on the podcast too. yeah yeah I okay him a couple times 
Oh, there you go. Well, but he does that Adam a lot. Spivy. Yeah, Spivy. But he does that a lot. He's like, "This will do it for your dog," you know. And <laughs> and I just I have always hated that, like people that do that, because it's like, yeah, like you said, I you don't know. Yeah, you know, but but let me also caveat this with like I don't even have a problem with people that do that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I I'm just like I'm just arguing the point of like if somebody is going to have an issue with the information that we put out there over something of like, yeah. Hey, like this is how we solve this problem. This is how I worked with this individual dog. Right. Mm-hmm. That the information isn't directly for you. The information True. is for the fucking person that I'm talking to in the video. The person yeah. that hired me for dog training services to yeah. give them the best information on stuff. Mm-hmm. Right now, I think to the, the credit of somebody like, Adam Spivy, who does a lot of videos of like, hey, this is a leash handling tip mm-hmm. that can work for you, right? I I think that in the way that he typically puts information out there of like, hey, this is something that could work for you. I'm not saying do exactly, exactly. this and it will literally solve all your problems. I'm yeah. saying, hey, this is a technique that we'll implement and it might work and you can give it a go. Yeah. Because I don't think there's as much harm as a lot of people think there is as far as you experimenting with different methods for things. True. You know? Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. You know, I, not him. it's, uh, you it's know. like a del- it's such a delicate balance with things. Yeah. And he's the only one I could think of yeah, off yeah. the top of my head, but, uh, but there are people out there that kind of <laughs> just, you know, sure. don't know what they're doing. And then they tell people this and then yeah. people go and try it. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's just interesting. It's just like, this is what so- social media is, is like such a blessing and a curse for this kind of stuff. Cause like 100%. we can put ourselves so much out there and then just like, but we're also putting ourselves to be critiqued by everybody, which is fine. That's what we sign up for. Like, I don't have an oh, issue yeah. with it, obviously. For sure. Right? But sometimes people take it the wrong way, I feel like. You know, people yeah. will critique things that they don't fully understand because we're putting ourselves out there in the form of 60-second clips. Yeah, 100%. Right? And then they just make these, like, broad assumptions about stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. So, that's, you know, another thing that's kind of been going going on that I've kind of noticed as far as like things that frustrate me in the dog world, you know? And as I was watching Caesar yesterday, that's how this all kind of stemmed from that. That was the vibe I was starting to get from the new show is he's trying to, you start then putting out information for the haters, essentially, right? You're putting out shows and you're putting out, you know, things on social media and stuff like that for the people that critique your stuff that don't actually fucking know you and you're putting it out there so like there's nothing they could say bad about it at the expense of giving hiding some of the information that you're actually giving yeah you know Mm -hmm. so whatever so that's thing number one we're going to talk about next thing that i want to do here is we're going to get into a couple of different topics right so i've got how many do i have here i've got four Three to four individual topics. We'll see which one of these that we talk about. And these are questions that we got on YouTube videos that I've already replied to to the people, but I want to kind of get into the weeds with the questions a little bit, Mm -hmm. right? So first question, this was one where we were talking about socialization. It was on a podcast episode, the one we did with Kiba Canines, right? So this person asked, so for dogs who have a tendency to overcorrect, how do we get them to tone it down? Does it just come from... Does it come down to practice and being around other dogs daily, right? So 
let's talk about the concept of overcorrecting. Right? We talked about this a little bit in the uh, Beckham's dog training video that we did last week where we were talking about his dog Prince and how I thought he was overcorrecting a little bit. Right. So first off, what is a correction in dog communication? A correction is a dog communicating a boundary to another dog. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, what is an overcorrection? An overcorrection is when that dog uses, in our opinion, right, an excessive amount of force to deliver that message. Right. Mm-hmm. So that could be if a dog is just kind of coming up to them and sniffing them and that dog wants to set a boundary, that could be instead of them just going, Err. Them going, rah, 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 right, like jumping on them and pinning them down and like just just getting really over the top with communicating that boundary. Yeah. Right? Um, again, dog communication is normal and a correction is a correction. And as long as it gets the point across, it's not that I have an issue with it, obviously. I want dogs to be able to communicate with each other. But if we have a dog that's consistently overcorrecting, there are two factors to why I think that will happen, right? Mm-hmm. So in the case of Prince, right, Beckham's uh, dog training's dog, we discussed that I think Prince probably went straight to an overcorrection with the other dogs because it seems like Joel, the the trainer, uses Prince for every single um, social test with other dogs, yep. right? So Prince is probably going into social situations constantly on edge thinking this dog is probably going to try to attack me, so I need to just get the job done right away to keep them away. Mm-hmm. right that's it. that is my opinion right so how do we stop that in that situation we balance out how many times we're using him as a tester dog so if i start noticing he's going to over corrections constantly i start putting him around balanced dogs only until his stress level starts to come down a little bit and then he starts realizing he can get away with getting his point across using less intensity mm. right so that's one way we'll see it happen. And we see this with trainers' dogs a lot. Like I remember even Vera. Vera was kind of my tester dog for a while when I first started getting into dog training where I would use her every time I would want to see how another dog is socially, right? And she was great with it for a very long time. And she never got bad with it, right? But you could tell she started hitting a point where she would come into socials and just be less overall playful and more just like, all right, here we go again, mm-hmm. you know? And again, the <laughs> yeah. second you start noticing that, it's your job to either, again, really balance it out where maybe like one out of every nine or 10 socials, they're around, you know, a, a dog that they actually need to like be doing correcting and stuff like that. And the others yeah. are social, well-balanced, no problem dogs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or a lot of trainers, once they see their dog hit that point, they'll kind of retire them from being the social dog. We'll see this sometimes with dogs that just get older. Some dogs get older, they get a little more crotchety, they get over constantly being around these unbalanced dogs. And you hit the point where it's like, hey, you did your job, you can just chill now, right? You're in retirement yeah. of this kind of stuff, <laughs> right? You get to be around just easy dogs from now on. Yeah. That way you don't have to be on edge anymore, right? Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> that's uh, that's one side of the overcorrection side of things, right? Um, the other side that we'll see is dogs that are just unbalanced for whatever reason. Let's say they got attacked on a walk or attacked at a dog park or something like that, and they just immediately go on the defense and start just trying to get dogs before they get to them. It's a similar concept. We want to make sure, first and foremost, that dog is around only balanced dogs moving forward, Mm -hmm. right? So that way we don't validate in their head any of the... um, any of the thoughts they're having of like, these dogs are going to be coming after me. These dogs are going to be coming after me. Additionally, if we're having balanced dogs, balanced dogs are going to be receptive to corrections in a way that unbalanced dogs aren't. So let's say this dog does correct them or overcorrect them. Those dogs are going to be like, all right, bro, it's cool. And then go and do something else. Yeah, right? exactly. 
And as we put that dog consistently that has this like quote unquote trauma around other dogs, right? Where they really think something bad's going to happen. As the, one, the bad thing doesn't ever happen. And two, they start seeing that their corrections are working. Their stress level starts to come down a little because they start feeling a little bit more in control of things, right? And as their stress level comes down a little bit, what happens is when they go to correct, the corrections are slightly less intense. Mm-hmm. And they start realizing if corrections are on a scale of 1 to 10, if the overcorrection is a 10, maybe the next time they need to correct, they correct at a 9. And then they realize it worked. And then the next time they correct, they correct at an 8. And they realize mm-hmm. that worked. And then it goes down to a 7, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. In some cases, if it's more than just an overcorrection and it's them actually trying to like attack or go after the other dogs or injure the other dogs, again, that's where we would step in and apply an actual correction for that behavior to help them bring it down a little bit. Because let's say 10 is the highest overcorrection where it's still safe. Let's say 11 is them actually going after the dog. Okay. Right? If they do an 11, obviously I have to step in a discipline for that. And mm-hmm. that might, that discipline, the dog will still be uncomfortable around the other dogs, but that might bring it from the 11 down to an 8. Yeah. Where then it starts turning from instead of an attack, it just is an overcorrection then at that point. And then we could start that process of teaching them to bring it down. But the key is knowing the dogs that you're putting your dog around. That's the biggest thing that creates these issues in the first place is you're Mm -hmm. constantly socializing your dog in improper places with dogs that you shouldn't be socializing your dog with. Yeah. Your dog doesn't need as much socialization as they think. And as long as you, as long as you make sure that you're doing less socialization and that that less socialization that you're doing is around good dogs, you shouldn't run into a lot of issues with this. Yeah. All right. So that's topic one. (laughs) Yeah, that was a just from experience when Devin used to work at, at the daycare. Um, she used to bring Bender all the time. <laughs> yeah. But then it was a noticeable like difference towards the end of her working there where he would go and he would just basically just shut down. Yeah. Like he didn't want to be there. You could just tell. And we see that a lot with daycares in general, right? Mm-hmm. Where um, your dog can go to daycare and the first couple times they go, they're playing machines, but then because the environment is so chaotic and they can't get away from it and there's so many dogs that are constantly coming up to them, they're needing to increase the intensity of their reaction to yep. get those dogs to create space for them, mm-hmm. right? And that just comes down to, again, you're socializing your dog in an improper situation. There's too many dogs mm-hmm for them to get their point across with one or two corrections where they need to do it 15 times because there's 15 different dogs that are approaching their space. So you want to be aware of those types of things too. Mm -hmm. Okay. Next question. All right. This one's a little... We actually... We kind of made a post about this earlier, right? So so this is kind of the age-old saying of correcting or punishing for emotional state. So this person said... Um, how can you reward or punish for known behaviors but non-emotional state? We can inadvertently reward emotional state, though. So much easier to give them a job and then hold them accountable for that. Whatever. Generally, the, the point of this question was we tell people a lot of times you can't correct for an emotional state, right? And this goes against what a lot of trainers will tell you, which is like correct the anxiety, correct the fear, things like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can't really correct for an emotional state. But we also kind of contradict ourselves a little bit and say you want to be mindful of where you're giving praise because you could reward an emotional state, right? You could Mm. reward a fearful state, right? So if we could reward an emotional state, why can't we correct for one? And I think that serves for needing some clarification on what I mean by rewarding for emotional state and correcting for an emotional state, right? Okay. 
So first things first, we need to be aware of the fact that emotional states are not very conscious things for dogs mm-hmm. or for people. Let's humanize this for a minute. Josh, have you ever been in an argument with somebody? Yes. And you're like, oh, oh we're, we're fighting about something. And the person says, you need to calm down. And you're like, what are you talking about? I am calm. <laughs> yes. I'm, right? Like, yeah. I think we've all been in that yeah, situation before. Of course. Right? In the heat of that moment, we are not aware of the emotional state that we're in. That's 100% true. We're not. No. Right? We're aware of what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. And we're feeling a certain way while that thing is happening. But we're not conscious of, wow, I'm really amped up right now. Now, yeah. sometimes you can be. We could argue that a little bit, obviously. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, we're much more aware of the things we're doing. Let's say you were arguing and you were pounding on the table constantly, right? Or you're yeah. arguing and you're, I don't know, doing some sort of physical thing, right? Mm-hmm. And that person said, Hey, stop pounding on the table right now. <laughs> yeah. Right? You'd be like, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I am probably. pounding on the table right now. <laughs> right? You're being annoying, yes. <laughs> so so when I say you can't correct for an emotional state, what I really mean is that you, should, you could be much more clear about correcting for something a dog is doing while they're in an emotional state. And if you start practicing impulse control, again, with the human side of things, let's say I'm pounding on the table. Let's say I become mindful of, oh, I can't pound on the table right now. And I'm still in an argument, but I'm like, I can't pound on the table at this moment, right? Mm-hmm. Your energy is probably going to come down a little bit because your brain is focusing a little bit more on what you're doing and how you're feeling in that moment then at that point, right? Mm-hmm. So your stress level, it, it will inadvertently affect that emotional state right? Yeah. Now let's use the opposite, right? Let's say rewarding for an emotional state. It's not that if I'm petting a dog when they're anxious, that they're going to be like, oh, I'm anxious right now. This reward is for being anxious. I should be more anxious. It's not like that's going to happen. But what Mm -hmm. happens is you coddle the dog while they're anxious. And again, humanizing things further. Let's say I'm anxious about something and somebody comes over and they say, you know what? You're totally right to be scared of that thing that thing actually is really scary over there. You see that? You see that that Christmas tree over there in Home Depot that's out the last week of October? Yeah. You know, and it's really scary because it shouldn't be out until probably beginning of November or middle of November. You're totally right to be scared of that. That's stupid. Right? We wind up coddling mm-hmm. to that state of mind yeah. of reassuring ourselves that there actually is something scary. Mm-hmm. Right? So... The things that we do when we're anxious, right, when we're reinforcing those types of things, even though the dog may not know that they're for the anxiety or they're for the fearfulness, right, by reinforcing the things the dog is doing while they're in that state of mind, it can inadvertently create more anxiety by reassuring them of how they're feeling, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that's kind of how that's kind of how some of that works with that type of stuff, right? And that's kind of my clarification on the whole concept of correcting for um, emotional states of mind or rewarding for emotional states of mind, right? So that's topic number two. Okay. Next question. Again, this is a long one here, so I'm going to kind of paraphrase this. Okay. So, in a nutshell, they said. What would you typically do if you have a loving family that never crate trained, the dog is out of control in an anxious mess, gets into everything, counter surfs, chews things, frantic when nowhere to settle, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Apart from all the other things, by satiating the chewing, lack of exercise exposure, um, 
it is very hard uh, without the crate to control the environment. Would you crate train nine and a half months, et cetera, et cetera. So basically in a nutshell, they're asking, hey, there's this family that we're working with that has a totally out of control dog. The dog's getting a little bit older at this point. It's not a puppy. Obviously nine and a half months, in my opinion, is extremely young still. It's still a puppy, yeah. right? But let's say the dog was seven years old. Right. Mm -hmm. And an owner came to me and said, my dog's out of control, destroying everything when I leave the house, having accidents everywhere, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but the dog is not crate trained. How would you handle that situation? Okay. I would crate train the dog. Yeah. Right. There's no 100%. solution aside from that. And I'm empathetic to like, there are some owners that are just like, you know, my dog has never been in a crate and I really don't want to do it. And I would really rather solve all these issues without actually being present. Mm -hmm. It's just not possible. Right. Well, we're not there. If the dog is learning, they can get into things and learning that they can, you know, be, um, you know, all anxious and stuff when we leave the house. Right. They're going to continue to do that unless we physically make it impossible for them to rehearse that behavior. And the only alternative to it, which this isn't even realistic, right, yeah. is for you to like a week straight, leave the dog loose in the house with cameras set up all over the place with you sitting outside with like an e-collar or something like that. And just correcting the dog anytime they went to go rehearse those things. But mm. I just don't think you genuinely, I don't think any human can be consistent enough about that. We're yeah. like, really? Like, we're talking like six hours straight. You need to be sitting there monitoring <laughs> yeah. the dog, no, right? Thank you. For like a week straight to even start to get some headway with it. Like, I just yeah. don't think it's physically possible with any of that mm. kind of stuff, right? So, again, um, we have to crate train the dog. Now, Sometimes we'll have people that call us and they're like, the dog is six years old. They've never been in a crate and they break out of a crate every time I put them in. Like, how do I handle it then? And the only solution for that then at that point is you're going to have to save up some money and buy a crate that the dog can't break out of. Right? Yeah. We've had to do this with a couple of dogs before um, where the dog is just being so destructive in the home. They're extremely destructive in the crate as well. They'll break out any type of crate you put them in. And I tell them, I was like, listen, man, I was like, you're going to have to do training, obviously, with this dog. But additionally, you're going to have to drop $1,000, $1,500 on this crate as well. And the positive mm -hmm. is you're going to have that crate forever. It's going to be a high-quality product, obviously, that you mm -hmm. use for your next dog. Yeah. But... Um, that's going to be your only solution because we need to make it then physically impossible for the dog to break out of the crate. Again, unless you're going to be able to spend two weeks straight watching the dog every second that they're in the crate with an e-collar. So if they start pawing <laughs> at it or trying to push it open with their head, yeah. you correct them for it. Which, again, there may be somebody out there that's able to do that. I have not experienced it. <laughs> I think that I know myself yeah. and I know most of the people I work with. And I think that's going to be like nearly impossible to do. Oh, yeah. So that's topic number two. Crate train your dog, regardless of what the age is, if you're having destructive behaviors in the house. There is no alternative to it. Sorry. <laughs> I guess a, a quick <laughs> one. Um, what would be a couple of like kennels that you would uh, yeah. suggest for people? Okay. So depending on the size of the dog, Roughland Kennel is going to be your most cost-effective option, mm -hmm. right? Um, they are a like injection molded one piece plastic crate with a big thick plastic door that's very hard for them to get their teeth on and damage. And I've never seen a dog be able to actually break out of one before. I'm not mm -hmm. saying it doesn't exist, but <laughs> I've never seen it. Yeah. They also sell like a metal plate you could put over the door that makes it so it's literally impossible for them to chew at that door. Okay. So that's one option. The problem with it is they don't make them that big. So even yeah. the largest size of it is not super super big no. so if you got a bigger dog you kind of shit out of luck um i was like anti-impact crate for the longest time because they were really expensive and the very first one i ever bought i thought was kind of not a great product right yeah <laughs> i recently invested in their high anxiety crate that they have 
because they make it in a very long, they basically make it where you could fit a Great Dane in this thing, right? Jesus. <laughs> so I invested in two of them. They're amazing. Really? The build quality is absolutely phenomenal on it. The size is huge, which obviously you need. I like it so much that I went and bought 10 more of them. We have 12 of them at the facility right now. Wow. So all of our board and trains stay in these kennels. And we got the biggest size one that there is, right? I think it's like a 48-inch crate or something like that. Like, wow. Thing's really big. It's yeah. ta- significantly taller. I mean, it's probably, I don't, I don't even know. It's probably maybe this tall, something like that. Oh, my like God, that, yeah. You know? Um, it is a huge, huge crate. It is super heavy duty. The build quality is phenomenal. It even has a little divider that you can put in it if you need to shrink it up or anything like that. They're expensive though. Yeah, I think they're like, I think they're like just under two thousand dollars or something a piece. Whew. So that was a big chunk yeah. that I wrote for those. <laughs> <laughs> chunk of change there. Oh, well, buddy. in fairness, so like I bought the two of them and I was like, you know, I really like these. I would like to like invest in a bunch of them for the facility. You yeah. know, I wanted to, to, to upgrade the board and train kennels the dogs were in so that there was something bigger for them. They had more room, you know, but in addition to them having more room, they were secure and that any dog that came in could go in one of these. Yeah. Right. So I was like, you know, I'll probably do it next year is what I said. I got a thing in the, <laughs> in the mail from them. It was like free shipping and like 10% off your whole order, right? right and well. it was like it was like 10% off. The, you could order as much shit as you want, right? Yeah. So I did that. Again, free shipping. I think there was no tax on it and 10% off or something like that. I think it saved me like $2,500 or $2,600. Oh, yeah, for sure. Know, not even including the shipping. It was probably like a $3,000 savings or so. Yeah. So That's awesome. So, still big check to write. Yeah, for sure. But it was totally <laughs> worth it. Oh, yeah. So, we use those exclusively at this point. Yeah. So yeah, you- yeah. We still have our rough lands. We'll use the rough lands for dogs that are, like, small, small. Mm-hmm. But those are are pretty much becoming, like, the exclusive kennel of Miracle Canine. I really like nice. them. So, I would have them for even all of the boarding dogs and stuff as well. But we just don't have enough space to have only those kennels. Yeah. You know? <laughs> those are big. They're, they're big. So, <clears throat> so, those are the ones I like. Um, last topic here. This is this is one that I've been asked a couple of times, but this person asked it the other day, and I told him I would try my hardest to talk on it, right? Mm-hmm. This is kind of a tough one, right? So they said, can we talk about rehabilitation mentally and physically for being attacked by a dog? Um, Oof. This is a hard one, you that know, because hard. here's the thing, right? I, knock on wood, have never been in a serious situation before involving a dog trying to like truly attack me yeah right now that could be for so many reasons right it truthfully could be that i just have gotten really lucky because i think and also i think a lot of this stuff happens fairly early in your dog training career right we could get very impulsive you know about how we act around dogs sometimes and not really think ahead of things Mm. when we're in those types of situations right which is why i think a lot of this stuff happens early in your dog training career right okay um, that being said, I've had a couple of close calls, right? So I remember one in particular, again, early in my dog training career, I've used, I've talked about this story a lot. I literally still have the security camera footage of this to this day, right? The, um, the, the first training kennel I worked at, there was a German shepherd that boarded there all the time, right? And this shepherd was like, this was a fucking German shepherd, man. Like this mm. dog was a bad motherfucker, right? <laughs> And whatever, he boarded there all the time. We didn't really have a whole lot of guidance and stuff. I was kind of like a newbie there, right? And he would come and stay for like super long periods of time. Like this dog would come and stay with us for like 40 days, 45 days, like once every like 
four or five months, you know? Mm-hmm. So he would come, and because he was a really serious dog and he couldn't really go out in daycare or anything like that, he kind of wouldn't do a whole lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. He would kind of just stew and get bored. And this is a working dog that wasn't being challenged mentally or anything like that. And I'm a new trainer. I probably have been training dogs for maybe a year at this point, something mm-hmm. like that. And um, I remember one day I was getting ready to leash him up and to take him back to his kennel. And I clipped this leash on him and he just, boom, just lunged at me, man. Like, just jumped right at my face, right? And I was able to, like, I cl- it's like I clipped the leash, he lunged, I was just like, whoa, and just, like, <laughs> caught him, right? Yeah. He's a big dog, right? And I caught him, and I'm, like, holding him away, and I'm, like, I remember my brain being, like, oh, my God, like, what do I, what do, I do, right? Like, what do I do now? I <laughs> and it was so yeah. fast, right? It was so fast. So I did that, and I start just kind of, like, spinning around, because I'm, like, if I stop and I'm stationary, right, this dog is going to jump back up and be able to get me again. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. strong enough to just, like, hold him in one spot like yeah. this. He was too tall for it, frankly. So I start kind of spinning Right. So I could kind of spin him around a little so he couldn't get to me. And I start making my way towards the kennel area while I'm doing it. And whatever. Like I had to stop at one point because like I was like getting dizzy and tired. And like I was like, oh my God. Right. And like I think there was, somebody else was there, but they were like outside or, or whatever. Like and, and this all happened so fast, mind you. Right? Oh, yeah. And I get close enough to the kennel area. It's very apparent I'm not going to be able to get this dog into the kennel right now. So I I wound up just, I think he actually kind of like chewed through his leash or something, right? And that happened. I was right by the kennel area. I ran into the kennel area and closed the door, right? And like at that point, like he wasn't like trying to pursue me or anything like that. Mm. Really what was happening in that moment was he did not want to go back to his crate. Yeah. He didn't want to go back to his crate, right? And he told me, hey, dude, you are not going to take me back to my crate right now, right? And had I not caught him in that moment, who knows what would have happened? Like, I'm sure he would have got me, right? But, like, I don't know if he would have, like, pursued me and, like, continued, like, trying to attack me or anything like that. I don't know, right? But I'll tell you, after that incident, one, I was was definitely a little gun-shy for a little bit around some of the dogs, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And... I think I can't remember what happened as far as like I don't know if this dog even boarded with us again after that. It was it was a very weird situation. I'm not going to get into as far as like the owner and why the owner boarded him with us all the time. And the owner kind of like went to jail for a little bit. It was, it was a weird, it was Crazy a really time. weird situation. He kind of knew the owner of the facility that I worked at oh, the time okay. and all that yeah, yeah, yeah. weird situation. But I don't think he boarded with us again then after that, right? Okay. Or if he did, like we had like a really clear way of how we were able to get him back into a crate that didn't involve us leashing him up ever. Right. Still sketchy, but like we kind of like figured it out. Yeah, for sure. And mind you, like in this case, right again, this was a, this was like an education thing, right? I didn't know how to handle this situation. Right. Um, the dog was not in the right by any means, but like he was super understimulated. Right. And that's why he ultimately chose to do this. And it was just a, a sketchy situation. Right. And you learn from it. Right. And I try to be mindful of like, you know, dogs that have serious issues like that and dogs that you're working with, you put in place more safety protocols. And, uh, the only way to really get past it is to kind of get back in the saddle. You know, like actually the dog did board with us for a little bit again after that. And like I said, we just had to adjust the approach in which we put him back into the kennel, right? Mm. Whatever. So again, I, nothing really happened. Like I like kind of stayed in there for like four or five minutes and like caught my breath. And I was able to like, I think put a big ass bowl of dog food in his crate and he was able Mm. to just like run back in and go and get it then at that point, you know? Um, so, so 
it wasn't as traumatic as it could have been, obviously. Like, I wasn't yeah. injured or anything, you know? But it was it was kind of a wake-up call situation for me. Yeah. Right? And I think because that situation happened, I went into, you know, moving forward for pretty much the rest of my dog training career, I've been so mindful when I work with dogs because, like, I don't want to get... I mean, nobody wants to get bit. Like, I don't want to get oh, fucking yeah. bit. I don't want to get attacked by a dog. No thanks. I also knew a lot of people that got seriously attacked by dogs, right? Like, mm -hmm. I'm talking, like, like really jacked up by dogs, mm -hmm. right? And have been in scary situations and just talking to them, man, like, it's hard to, like... Like, some of those people I know, like, haven't been able to totally recover from that. Right, like mentally, right? You're hmm. around dogs, and it's like if you oh, got yeah. jacked up by a dog, it's like, man, like yeah, you start becoming very aware. Of, man, that thing's got teeth, and if it really wants to in a minute, it can overpower me. I think it's a reality check too when you start being around dogs with aggression issues. Like even in a safe manner, if the dog has a muzzle on, you start being aware of how strong some of these dogs are, mm -hmm. how fast some of these dogs are. Was I remember one of the uh, a story one time that uh, Todd, the trainer that I used to go to do protection sports with, told me one time where. He had a colleague that worked with dogs, and he was in the working dog world, worked with German Shepherds, Malinois, stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. And this guy was like a big, like, ex-Marine or something like that. Like, this was a tough dude, right? Not Todd. The guy Todd yeah, was yeah, telling yeah, yeah. me about. I didn't, I didn't know the guy personally, but Todd's telling me, he's like, yeah. He's like, you know, this guy always thought, you know, yeah, if I ever get into a situation where a dog tries to come after me, he's like, you know, I think I could handle it and, and whatever, you know. Like, it's, it, you know, like, you just kind of uh -huh. like... Yeah, like I, I could probably handle the situation, yeah. like fend him off or whatever. And he said he had a situation where a dog went after him and this dog jacked him up, right? Like I yeah. think he like got him real bad on the leg or something like that from mm -hmm. what I remember of the story, right? But he's like, yeah, he's like, I always thought, he always thought that he could do it. And then like push came to shove and he was like, man, I was fucking wrong. <laughs> you know? like, so so yeah. I think like all these situations, you know, I was, I was put into dog training in this world where like I was able to see so much happen at such a young age or a young point in my career mm -hmm. where I really realized like this shit is more serious than you think. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? This shit can be more serious than you think. These dogs are capable of so much more than you think. Yeah. Right. Where I try my absolute hardest to just be safe about it, you know? And, mm -hmm. and as you get more experience, you learn how to read dogs better, right? Like all that type of stuff. Like, you know, it, it gets, it gets easier, but like yeah. the potential is always, always there. there and you yeah. just have to be mindful of that. And I think if you've been in a situation where you got attacked by a dog, depending on the severity of it, you just need to come to grips with like, that is the reality of it. And that can happen. And do I want to keep working with dogs where there's a potential that that kind of thing is going to happen again? You yeah. know, and I think depending on the severity of it, you could answer that question a little bit more easily, right? If you really got fucked up by a dog, it's like, Maybe you want to pump the brakes on it, you know, and let yourself recover. And if you do start training dogs again, set some groundwork as far as, hey, like I'm only going to work with young dogs or I'm going to work with dogs that aren't as strong. I'm not going to work with power breeds or whatever. Like you could set those rules and there's nothing wrong with that. There's mm -hmm. nothing to be ashamed of with that. Yeah. Right. Another trainer I know it's down in the Tennessee area. She, I remember I went to a seminar to go speak at and she was talking about working with dogs. She's like, you know, she's like, I'm a little fucking person, you know, <laughs> like, like I just don't, you know, I don't feel as confident working through those types of situations, you know, mm -hmm. especially by myself. Right. That's another thing to factor in. Right. Are you doing the shit by yourself? Is there other people around? Yeah. Right. There's just, there's so much that goes into that. And, and I think you need to just look at those types of things. You know, I think you need to, to ask yourself those tough questions. The only other time that I've been like bit really, <clears throat> you know, I've had a, a handful of little bites, right. That were like, 
truly like accident kind of situations. Like I'm either breaking up a dog fight and like reach in to go like break them up. And mm-hmm. it's like, inevitably you're going to kind of get bit in the process or a dog's got a muzzle on and like, I accidentally got my finger in it or something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like <clears throat> there, there's a bunch of little stuff like that. The only other time that I actually got bit, right? Like got the scar on the top of my hand from it is I was working with this like Malinois shepherd that I knew had some aggression issues. Right. And this was maybe four years ago, something like that, maybe a little bit less three years ago. And I just, you know, ego kind of got in the way a little bit, right? And I had a first session with this dog. And I was like, oh, the dog is fine, right? The dog didn't have any problems. And session two, I'm getting ready to start e-collar conditioning, right? And I'm working. It's in a one-on-one session with the owner. And I remember I, I went to go pull this dog under the bed and he didn't like it, right? And he just turned around and jumped up and like grabbed my hand. And I was able to pull my hand away. Same deal, pull that leash back. And uh, the owner came over and grabbed the dog, right? And I big ass fucking gash in my hand. I mean, it was probably, you know, two inches wide or something like that at that point. I mean, you're looking down straight into it. You saw the little stuff yeah, that's the, inside of your the, hand. The then stuff. at that point, you know, <laughs> so it's like, it's yeah. like, you know, like that was another situation that happened. And again, let's take that exact example, right? Um, that was a mistake I made, right? Like I, I moved too quick with the dog and I didn't put in place the safety protocols that I needed to. Mm-hmm. And again, I got kind of lucky in the situation. Again, the dog wasn't trying to necessarily maul me. He was just like, hey, don't fucking do that, right? And I'm going to tell yeah. you not to do that with my mouth. Yeah. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not a tall guy by any means, but I'm stronger than some people. And I was able to kind of pull this dog, punch the seat. <laughs> you know, I was able to like yeah. pull this dog away from me real quick, right? Mm-hmm. And then the owner was there also where if, hypothetically speaking, I wasn't able to pull the dog away, the owner yeah. was able to come and grab yeah, the leash. somebody there, yeah. You know what I mean? So you just got to be safe with this stuff, right? Like you got to be aware of the protocols you put in place and the precautions you put in place. And when you're working with dangerous dogs, like you don't do it by yourself, right? Yeah. Or if you're going to do it by yourself, you're accepting those fucking risks, yeah. right? You got to have a real conversation with yourself of like, if something happens right now, how am I going to handle this, right? Mm-hmm. And I try to just look at dogs. And if I'm taking a dog, out, I don't give a shit if it's the friendliest dog in the world, right? I'm very mindful of the emotional state that they're in. And I never just go like, Nah, it's fine. They're just going to be fine. I always kind of have this like backup plan in my head. You know mm. what I mean? Of like how I'm going to handle a situation. Yeah. So I don't know if there's a good way, you know, like there's not a good thing to say other than like, this is the reality of working with dogs, especially if you're doing behavioral modification work. Mm-hmm. Right. Is you, you, you just, you know, you, you live, you learn with some things mm-hmm. and you do everything you can to prevent some of this stuff from happening. Yeah. And you just be safe about stuff. Mm-hmm. And you have good health insurance. <laughs> Great health insurance. <laughs> so I don't know. That's kind of my opinions on that. I don't know if there's there's a whole lot more to it than just that. Yeah. What do you think? I think you're right. You just have to be mindful of the things that could happen. And make. I think your number one thing is don't work with an aggressive dog when there's no one else in the building. Yeah, you know, that this is where you get into also, like, having a facility, right, that you can yeah. do these things at. Like, you also, like, having these dogs in your house, right? Yeah. And then, like, having reality conversations. So, like, if you as a trainer are, are truly, even after working with a dog for a little bit, like, scared of a dog, that's where we really need to be looking at. Like, yeah. is this a rehabilitatable dog? Yeah. You know? Like... Mm-hmm. You know, like we could glorify, and, and again, I, I'm guilty of this, right? We can glorify working with aggressive dogs sometimes because they can be some of the most rewarding experiences you possibly have when you have a dog that, you know, may have some issues and you're able to get them to live out the rest of their life successfully with their owner, right? But mm-hmm. 
in the end of the day, dangerous dogs exist, right? Yeah. And and again, depending on the severity of situations, some dangerous dogs probably shouldn't continue to exist. Yeah. You know, and those are the things, you know, some people jump down your fucking throat about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind, of, it's kind of the reality of the situation, yeah. you know? So I don't know. So those are my opinions on it. So that's kind of just a rapid fire couple topics, obviously. Get into those things. Talking about fluffy social media bullshit. Um, talking yeah. about Caesar. Talking about those questions. Uh, I think next week we're probably going to have a guest on. So we'll have some more interesting things to talk about. Keep sending your questions in. Hopefully you guys enjoyed some of the things we chatted about. Heck yeah. Got anything else? That's it for me. All right, guys. Well, have a good one. Ha, 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 ha.